Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents The Kingdom Driven Family Podcast with your host, Andrea Schwartz. This podcast will equip and empower you to help advance Christ's kingdom through God's primary institution, the family, building a home that serves Christ and His kingdom. Hi, this is Andrea Schwartz with another edition of Homeschooling Help, and that's my buddy over there from across the country, Nancy Wilk. Hello, Andrea. It's December 2018 at the time of this broadcast. Everybody's busy decorating, shopping, preparing for Christmas, finishing up their curriculum. And so um, I, I know we want to do something a little bit different. So indulge me please, while I borrow from Charles Dickens' work, A Christmas Carol, and take a look at the spirit of homeschooling, past, present, and future. So we have as our guest today, Ann Miller. She is a mom of eight, grandma of almost 15. In her family, there are engineers and actually a real live rocket scientist more than so that's the important things about Anne. what she does for her day job is that she's president and executive director of the home educators association of virginia it's a 501c3 nonprofit organization and around here we call it heave (laughs) h-e-a so welcome to our uh, broadcast and we appreciate you being on Oh, thank you, Nancy and Andrea. I'm really glad to be here. So before we actually started our broadcast, we had a little time to talk, and um, Ann and I were debating which one of us was more of the pioneer of homeschooling. You win. (laughs) I win by only um, a couple of years, but with eight children and 15 grandchildren and a family, she has two younger siblings who were homeschooled, Somehow or other, I think you get the pioneer label more so than I do. <laughs> I don't know. Anyone who schooled in the 80s gets the pioneer label. <laughs> okay. Pioneer. Okay. So I want to just say that 35 years ago, it was 1983, your operational headquarters was a card table set up in the General Assembly building <laughs> by three homeschool moms. So um, I, I think that. That is awesome. But um, one of the things that I I really want to bring out in terms of the spirit of um, homeschool is to make note that we each personally affirm and represent organizations that hold to the biblical position that educating children is a God-given right and responsibility of the family. Now, we understand that not everyone makes that assertion, and there's other very good reasons for families to decide to homeschool, and we would recognize and support them all. But with that being said, um, for folks who may not recognize homeschool as a religious freedom, let's talk about what was going on in those early days. Anne? Well, I just want to be clear, uh, and I hope I didn't give the impression, I was not there with HEAV in 1983. Um, We did not learn about HEAV until 1986. Um, It was the year we had to submit. We knew about a notice of intent. Um, The law was about two two years old at that point. um, But we had a conviction that it was our responsibility to educate our children. And 
and through that conviction, we didn't feel that the government had responsibility for the education of our child, so why should we notify our school superintendent? So we were, um, we were kind of in a conundrum and just really praying through, like, what would we do? And that's when we learned about HEAV and religious exemption. And when we learned about the religious exemption, we realized that that was that fit our convictions and our beliefs. And so um, HEAV saved the day for us because we didn't feel right going under the state authority in the education of our children. So, so let me, can I just interject something here? And this yeah. is important for people who are listening. When we talk about exemption, we're not talking about a right that the state in, yes. you know, gives people. Exactly. We're talking about an area where the state has no jurisdiction. So right. when we say something is exempt from state control, we're saying it's because the state never had control of it in the first place. So right. the same way um, your children or grandchildren are exempt from me giving them a bedtime. In other words, I might have really good ideas as to when people should go to bed, but I have no jurisdiction. So right. when we're talking about exemption, we're talking about areas of jurisdiction. Exactly, exactly. And they're state recognized. I was pulling up, um, I was looking at some of the uh, attorneys general opinions on home education, on religious exemption. And one of them, uh, well, there's so many, um, but, uh, oh, I have so many quotes here. The, um, I'm just trying to think which is the worst. Uh, in the Johnson, uh, let's see. Well, well, you can give us the gist of it. Give us the sorry. gist of it. Well, that the state has, that the state has no ability to judge the validity of a belief, only that it is bona fide and sincerely, sincerely held. It's a sincerely held conviction. And that um, Mary Sue Terry in 1988, um, and this comes to the Loudoun County issue, she, in her opinion in 1988, she said, um, the General Assembly has provided a complete exemption from compulsory school attendance for a child excused on religious grounds. It is my opinion, therefore, that a school system lacks the authority to monitor the educational growth of a child through regular testing. And that's at the that's at the one of the basis of the um, Loudoun County um, initiative. Uh, they want to make sure that children are getting an education, and it's been suggested that the way to do that is just take part of the statute from the home, inst uh, home instruction statute, which requires the testing and accountability, and just move that and put it on the religious exemption statute, which are two separate statutes. And now, um, So I'm going to get interrupt you. I think it's important for us to frame this so people understand. Yeah, it's just jumped right into the... <laughs> no, no, no. And that's fine, because because that's really what's on your heart, because you're facing this at this point. We need to understand that we've been conditioned to think that just because somebody is interested in helping us, they necessarily have the best intentions, or even if they have good intentions, that they'll be profitable for the people who they're inflicting it on. And so we've all grown up in a situation where we think, well, yeah, everybody should have an education and everybody should have an education. The question is, who is going to mandate it? Who is going to oversee it? And then who's gonna tell you if you're doing a good job or not. 
Right. And the question with religious exemption, it's not it's not an education statute. It's it's an exemption from attendance at school. It's not an exemption because of religious training or beliefs. So it's not an exemption from teaching your children. It's an exemption from attendance at school because you have that bona fide religious conviction, not a moral conviction or a philosophical conviction, but a religious conviction. Um, that you believe that your God is directing you through his word and through his speaking to you in your life, that this is what God has called you to. Right. Um, for those um, for those that uh, also may not know some of the history about this in legal terms, Andrea and um, and both. You guys, um, you guys may remember that Leaper case, which was the big homeschool case in Texas. In Arlington, the dad said, you know, he he um, opposed the um, that attendance laws, and I think Dr. Rush Dooney was a um, expert witness in that case, and um, it was nine to zero, shut down that, um, you know, the. the the, the dad was right. Rush Dooney's right. The the um our our um constitution protects our inalienable rights, the God given rights to do this. So so that's a history of homeschool that we uh, a lot of current listeners may not recognize how important homeschooling is in terms of religious freedom. And let me add, because you brought up the Leaper case. The Leaper case was a great case because homeschoolers went on the offensive. They were the plaintiffs in the case. They were saying, you can't do this. It wasn't that they were defending their right. They were basically putting the state into a situation to say, you're, you're sticking your nose in where it doesn't belong. And I think too often homeschoolers get into this defensive posture that says, we just want people to leave us alone and we'll give them a little bit of this and we'll give them a little bit of that. That's the deadly way to go because as soon as they say they can have your children five days a week, 10 months out of the year, then guess what they start saying? You can only have certain things that they learn in science or they're only things they can learn in philosophy. Oh, and by the way, you must vaccinate them whether or not you think that's a good idea. So you, you, you open the door a little bit and then, you know, the camel's all the way in. Yeah. And you can't visit them at lunchtime either, <laughs> which has been in the news recently. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's, um, you know, that's, that's where mm -hmm. homeschooling, um, some of the, the, um, history, the spirit of homeschooling is in, um, exercising our God, assigned responsibility and faithfulness to him. So um, let's talk a little bit. Um, you, you kind of already breached that uh, topic somewhat, but homeschooling present. I want to for our listeners to know that right now homeschool is a legal option in every state, although guidelines and the reporting requirements do vary. But as Widely. you pointed out, um, Andrea, um, we're really just giving the the state um, authority in in a place that God has not given it to them. What our listeners might not know, and this is very very important, is that Virginia is the only state with a true uh, religious exemption. 
And that is enormous. And that's why this Loudoun County um, conversation is important. So do you want to tell us a little bit about that, Anne? Is that well, let me, I, oh, my notes are all over the place here. Um, uh, Judge Fiddler gave an opinion about, about, um, on religious exemption. And one of the things he said was, and I love this, that um, he said, quote, that we have the broadest religious exemption of any state. And he also said that the VA statute for religious freedom was enacted on January 16th, 1786. <laughs> so it's got and some staying power. Right? It's so. got some staying power. So, I mean, Virginia just has such a foundation of religious freedom and that he said it sets the tone and direction of religious liberty in this state. So while other states may do what they do, Virginia is founded on religious freedom. Um, it's one of our basic liberties. And he said, Article Section, Article 1, Section 16 of the Constitution of Virginia spells out in rather inescapable language what the free exercise of religion means. So this is um, Judge Fiddler has this opinion. All men are, are equally entitled to the free exercise of religion according to the dictates of conscience. And there's some part taken out, uh, but it shall be left to every person um, to select his religious instructor. Um, so we do have that heritage of religious freedom from the from our founding documents, and it's important. And it's um, it's the basis. It, it's a God given freedom. It's not a state given freedom. And what God's given, the state should not be taking away. So there are a lot of people who homeschool who are the products of a public school education. Right. And as a result, there are some things they probably have not examined. And it's important that as you're teaching your children, you also teach yourself because there's a lot of unlearning that has to take place. Yes. Um, if you think the state, you know, that we have compulsory education laws, somebody is truant. OK, we don't want to be truant. We have to obey this law. Well, first of all, it's your individual right to say this is right or wrong. However, if you don't examine the presuppositions of the law and you don't understand what's at the base of it, you might proceed actually working contrary to your own interests as a Christian homeschool family. That's why it's so important to make use of people who have been in the trenches for a long time and not decide, oh, I started homeschooling a year ago. I'm now going to go launch this fight if you don't even know what you're doing. Right. Right. And on the HAV website, if I can mention, um, we do have a link under the Virginia law on religious exemption. And there are attorney opinions. The uh, Judge Fiddler's opinion is there. Um, uh, reference to Mary Sue Terry's opinion is there um, that people can go in and educate themselves. Now, why this is useful for people who don't happen to live in Virginia or Loudoun County is because this is a good model to say, wait a minute, let's examine how our county is organized yes. or how our state is organized. And then instead of being on the defensive, being on the offensive, knowing that the scripture says that the gates of hell will not prevail against Christ's church. That doesn't mean people who are cowering in the, in the corner, hoping nobody bothers them. 
people who are standing for what God has commanded them to do. So right. I would say homeschooling is much more than a right. Christian education is a duty given to parents and no state should be able to tell us we cannot obey God. Right. 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 Another thing that I think is important here is we're talking to homeschoolers because this is homeschool health um, broadcast. And we're talking with Anne with the Home Educators Association of Virginia. But because this is a, an issue of religious freedom and the expression of our understanding of a God assigned task, whether you homeschool or not, whether you're Christian or not is, is beside the point you need to. Um, I would encourage people to um, to support this effort and to exercise our freedom, because if we don't, we stand to lose our freedom. And that is we're starting to get into the homeschool future. But that's OK, because that, that's important. You know, we, if we don't exercise our rights, if we don't um, don't understand this as an issue of religious freedom and worse yet, if we fail to um to obey god then we are at great risk not just now in our homeschooling freedom but as a people in this country and um a people before god right. so that's that's why i think this stuff is so important and i want folks to understand right. but let me add you used a great term instead of saying we need to demand our rights we need to exercise our rights. Yes. Anybody who has gotten older knows that if you don't exercise it, it gets flabby and it doesn't work as you want it to work. The same is true in our lives as Christians in the public sphere. If we don't exercise our rights and we act as though somebody legitimately throws us crumbs, we need to say, no, that's not true. And some people shy away from resisting it because they think, well, I'll get in trouble or maybe things won't go well for me. Well, we have forebears in the faith who worked really hard to see to it that we could secure the rights that God has given us that are inalienable. And we have to really understand what inalienable means. It means we can't even give them up either. They're not ours to give. Right. Right. And I will say that, um, the religious exemption statute is there for people who have that, bona fide conviction against attendance at school. And but there are many, many believers who homeschool under the home instruction statute and their conscience, they're, they're OK with that. Uh, their conscience is OK with that. And we have great laws here in Virginia. They're moderate. They're not onerous. And um, but that religious exemption is is so foundational to our freedoms. Um, in education that we don't want to lose it. And the notice of intent statute is there, but that cannot accommodate people who have that conviction against attendance at school. Right. So, and what are some of the reasons people don't want their children to have to attend schools? Whoa. <clears throat> well, you I realize that's a loaded question. I just I just threw a ball that you can hit a home run with, but I yeah. want you to hit the home run. Yeah. Well, uh, let, let me qualify. We have a lot of friends who are teachers at school and I have my husband was a public school teacher. We have the greatest respect for educators. 
Um, most of the educators that are out there, they're trying to do a good job. We have a we have a system, though. We have a broken system. And the whole compulsory education statute, honestly, was based on a Prussian model that was designed to produce docile compliant workers who essentially move at the ring of the bell. The class bell rings. No, there's nothing so important as moving to the next class. Doesn't matter how engaged you are in a topic. And um, so we have a broken system. And um, and of course, moral decline in our country as we turn away from the Lord's ways. And um, so their public schools are there. We get calls every day from parents whose children are suffering from anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts um, because of bullying, um, peer pressure, uh, the um, the environment in many of the classrooms. And we had one call from a parent that went on and on about their son, suicidal. They found him uh, behind the computers where all the electronic and the wiring was because he wanted he thought he could electrocute himself and kill himself. And they talked for a long time. And our office manager said, so um, so how old is your son? He was in second grade. Oh, my goodness. Second grade. We get calls like that from parents all the time. They are desperate because God's put it in their heart to do what's right for their children. And we see it as a call of the Lord turning hearts of the parents to the children, the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. We really believe that God is using home education in that way. And um, parents are desperate. We get such desperate calls. Um, we just got a call a couple of weeks ago from a mom who has a twin baby who's never come home because they keep dying and they have to resuscitate. And she wanted to homeschool. The school gave her a hard time. She just wanted to homeschool her older, her other son. And, um, and she called our office and we were able to help her, but he was anxiety ridden, depressed. I mean, Babies. I mean, these are babies in elementary school and then high school is even worse. So the the conditions, um, the moral conditions um, erode the ability to actually receive an education. And parents want their children to be educated, but they also want them to be safe. Exactly. And um, and so. It, when when we started homeschooling, you know, we felt called from the Lord. Um, well, I'm assuming that you did, Nancy. Um, yeah. We grow in our convictions. Our convictions change. And so people who may not be where we are now in our convictions, many of us, we weren't where we are now in our convictions when we, you know, 30 years ago, 35 years ago. So, um, um, oh, I well, on that point, let me tell you, when I first started homeschooling, when my son wasn't being cooperative, I would say, OK, if you do this, I'm going to send you to outside school. I'm going to oh. send you to outside school until one day I realized what I was threatening. Uh, and it was like, yeah. OK, if you're not good, I'm going to let you out of the car, leave you by the side of the road and never come back and get you. I would never have threatened him that way. Right. And so that stopped being the way in which I dealt with defiance or reluctance that I wasn't going to threaten something that I thought was awful, that I never right. was going to do willingly. Right. Right. Well, for me, um, the conviction grew from the um, scripture that says that 
we're supposed to train up our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And I thought, how can I do that? If I put my kid on the bus at 630 in the morning and don't get them off until six o'clock at night after they've been to, to school and been to after school care and I pick them up on my way home, how can I really do that faithfully? How can I be faithful to that responsibility if they're not with me? And so I recognize that if nothing else, that this is what I understood God said for me to do as a parent. And that if we're, if our responsibility is to the nurture and admonition of the Lord, that the public school system wasn't helping me do that. Now there was a season in our life when as a single mom, all my kids were in public school. And that was only because um, while I still held the conviction, there were, um, there were requirements to homeschool, to requirements to be educating. And um, I didn't have the faith or the confidence or the um, support of others that could come alongside, like you guys are doing at Heave. And like there are, you know, because we have been down that road and have grown in our conviction that now we could say to that single mom or to someone else to, to say, no, you, there is help. You can do this. This is God's call on your life for those kids, and we're here to help you. So that's one of the things yeah. that I really appreciate about Heave and Calcedon, that that you guys are both um, um, encouraging and supporting families to walk in God's call on their life and to be faithful to his government and authority over us. Now, one of the things that I think is remarkable is that and you're willing to say a true religious conviction this religious exemption and we've talked about what exemption means is not just a box to check so that you don't have to do something you don't want to do a true religious conviction includes that i would die for my beliefs much the same way the apostles had true religious convictions and so for those people who might say, well, I'm not sure how how solid my convictions are. That's one of the reasons why for the last 20 years, I have been working with homeschool moms and wives and moms in general to understand God's law, to understand the requirements, because quite apart from protecting our children from immoral ideas or sexuality at an early age, there's the truth of God's word that will never be imparted in a public school. Right. And so there's the negative we want to keep people from, but there's the positive of educating people God's way. Yes. Yes. So um, what I've, is happening in terms of, you said that there was a meeting tonight of the legislative committee in Virginia. What do you anticipate is going to happen and what's the organized response against it? Well, the um, the school board meeting went till after 11 o'clock uh, last week, and they decided to take it up in the committee again, their legislative committee, because they realized there were aspects to this that maybe they didn't understand, maybe they were wrong. Um, there were a lot of people of goodwill who came out and spoke against it, so they said they would take it up in their meeting tonight. It's not a meeting that's open for public comment, but what we're encouraging families to do who can um, is just to show up, just to show that there are a lot of people concerned about this because 
what is happening is they're taking the Loudoun County um, School Board's legislative agenda and they're presenting it to the legislators for their county uh, on December 7th. And so they're looking for sponsors for these various bills and the religious exemption. And they, it's not I mean, they were kind of puzzled by why we said it was a repeal. Um, and honestly, I don't think they understand religious freedom. I think that's the foundation of not understanding what religious freedom means, because they just saw it as a simple like just take this part of this statute and put it to this statute, not understanding the convictions that people would have um, against that government um, control. But they are looking for sponsors and um, and those legislators are going to come down to Richmond to the General Assembly and then they're going to they're going to legislate for this bill. And we're hoping that by showing um, that there are many people who are concerned who want to stand up for religious freedom, that it would discourage the legislators um, because it will be an uphill battle. There will be a great outcry. And we encourage families, even if you're not religious exemption, you need to you need to protect the rights of families who have those religious convictions. And I what what it made me think of and I and I pulled it out was that um, little poem by uh, well, it was a Lutheran pastor. First, they came for the socialists and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. But then they came for the trade unionists and I did not speak out because I'm not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews and I did not speak out because I'm not a Jew. But then they came for me and there was no one left to speak for me. And when we look at the religious exemption, everyone needs to protect our religious freedoms and our religious rights because um, it's a foundational it's a foundational right that we have. Um, and it, it will be the gradual erosion of other rights. If they can take away religious freedom in in this area of education, they can continue to take religious freedom away of how we bake cakes or, you know, do photography or, you know, all those right. issues. And so how can people who aren't Virginians or aren't members or residents of Loudoun County, how can people, because I'm hoping that people who are watching this will say, okay, I want to help. How could I help? What do you think would be a good protocol for us? Well, number one, pray. Um, prayer, we have seen God work miracles when the religious exemption, um, when the religious exemption um, question first came up in 2014, we just prayed and that the people, there was someone coming to testify. We just prayed they would hear a voice from a far country and leave, <laughs> which is scriptural. And um, amazingly, they were there to testify um, in favor of losing the religious exemptions, studying it. Actually, it wasn't a question of whether they would change it at that point. But um, somehow they had to get on a plane and fly to California and they weren't there to testify when the time came. So we we just see God answer prayer. So prayer is number one. Um, financial support for HEAV would be much appreciated where um, we have a lot of work. We've just uh, we've we initiated a study earlier this year and we're just getting ready to publish it on religious exemption because we knew this battle was coming and we've been trying to prepare. Um, if you're close enough to go to Loudoun County, I would say go tonight. Um, also, if you're in Virginia, I would encourage you to monitor your school board meetings. We have set up, we're setting, we've been setting up a network 
to monitor the school board meetings because often things like this happen at the local level. I had a conversation today where someone said, well, why should I go to Loudoun County? I'm not a Loudoun County resident. Um, uh, it's a local issue. It may have initiate, been initiated locally by the school board there, but it will be an initiative that will affect every family in the state. And so it's not just a local initiative. And I would encourage people around the country to keep an eye on your school boards, keep an eye on your Department of Education, support your state organizations. There are state organizations in every state and um, and they need you. They need your support. They need volunteers. They need funding. They need your prayer support because they are the ground troops who are protecting our freedoms and our rights to teach and train our children at home. And um, HSLDA, Homeschool Legal Defense Association, they have a listing of all the state organizations. You can find it there um, if for your own state. But get involved, be aware. Um, our freedoms are just one legislative session away from being taken away. And let me say, and this is, it may sound like I'm patting myself on the back, and maybe I am a little bit, but what happens after you're done homeschooling your children? You see, the three of us represent people who have lots of experience, what not to do, what to do, how to amend things and whatnot. And we have a responsibility to help and we're doing it. But those moms who are currently in the trenches of, of homeschooling, your kids are going to grow up. Don't then say, I wonder what I can do to fulfill myself. Maybe I'll go back to school and get my art major or I, I'm not putting down art majors. What I'm saying is we have work to do. And there's Titus II mentoring that has to take place because we appreciated the people who came alongside us and helped us. But this is an ongoing thing. So moms now need to understand the threats that are down the line that won't necessarily be there for their children, but what about their grandchildren? I mean, Anne, right. you've got 15. Nancy. <laughs> <I know. you've> got... <laughs> yeah, how many do you have? How many grandchildren uh, do you have? Eight, I think. Oh, eight, eight, she thinks. <laughs> five, and I have three and Nine. hopefully more in the future. So <laughs> we have a stake in the future and we should. We do. We should. We do. And we're HEV, we have started um, at we've started at our convention. We'd like to see it grow, but we're starting at convention with Titus II mentors. And we started this year where we had the older men and women, because Titus II is for men too. Um, so we have dads and moms who come and they've given tours, they're there to answer questions, they take people around to orient them to the convention center, but also they're answering questions and pointing out resources and things that could be helpful for them in their homeschool journey. And we're looking to expand that to have more one-on-one -on -one mentoring if people want a mentor that we have. We're, we're looking for the retired homeschool moms and dads to come and speak into the lives of these families um, who come to convention. We have 12 or 13,000 people who come to convention and many, I would say a third, about a third of those are brand new homeschoolers and looking for help. And this generation, my understanding from them is they want mentors. They want someone to come and speak into their lives. And, um, and what better than homeschool moms who have who've run the course, got the prize, <laughs> didn't get a gold watch for my 30 plus years though, but hey, <laughs> yeah. 
And we got um, gray hairs though. Yeah, gray yeah hairs. they're That's there. So <laughs> um, uh, um, but we need you. We need you. And these, this new generation needs you. And um, so consider volunteering with your state organizations. That's a simple way to get involved. There are plenty of moms. Phone calls. Every day we get home phone calls from desperate moms. We have trained a whole contingent of counselors to be able to answer questions, to be there for support, to connect people locally. And wherever you are in the country, your organization needs people like you who are willing to step up and speak into people's lives and support and encourage them. Well, thank you, Anne. Um, you've encouraged me. And um, maybe we'll bring you back again to okay. tell us how things are progressing. Yeah. And I would love to suggest that you get Yvonne Bunn, who is our director of uh, government affairs. And she is the one who normally handles all the legislative action and all. And um, she is um, she's been with HEAV as long as I have. We've been here almost 30 years and um, she is a wealth of information and she has helped. I don't know. I would I wouldn't. I would guess a hundred thousand people. <laughs> she's helped That's tens of thousands to begin homeschooling through her years. Um, she's an excellent resource. Yeah. Empowered women. That's who we are and that's what we need to be. And uh, I have a friend who doesn't like the term feminist and I don't either, but she says that she's radically female and we are radically female, radically feminine in as much as We've learned how to protect our ones, our cubs, and now helping other women learn how to nurture and protect theirs. Yeah. The virtuous woman was a powerhouse. She was no doormat. <laughs> Not at <laughs> and all. And she was active in community and business and in the lives of the people around her. And, um, and I've watched some of your broadcasts and so much of your teaching is so excellent and convicting. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, I love, I was listening to one of your programs on coveting and it was like, ah, oh, I never thought of it that way. So very, I love what you're doing to help teach moms the foundational principles that, um, that we didn't get when we were growing up. Right. And let me make a plug for the Calcedon Teacher Training Institute. You can find it at calcedonteachertraininginstitute.com or ctti.org. And it's all about training women in biblical law and understanding. So when the next challenge comes up, we know how to approach it. Um, that's one of the things that seasoned homeschoolers can do. We know what the threats have been in the past. And yeah, maybe there's a new face to it, but we can recognize the same nastiness at the base of it. And that's why we need to sort of um, work together and not be so concerned of who gets the credit because the Lord gets the credit. We're, we're all yeah. here still because God deserves the glory. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, all right. Do you have any closing thoughts before I give mine? You give your closing thoughts. All yes. right, ladies. Well, we started with a Christmas theme and I want to end with a Christmas theme. I want to remind our listeners of Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. It says, For unto you a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Ladies, I want to encourage everyone listening that our our um, task is to um, declare the faithfulness of God and point to him and 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 he will have his way with us. I pray that we're faithful to that. Amen. All right. Well, I don't think there's anything either Anne and I could add to that to make it better. You quoted Isaiah. We'll end with Isaiah. And everybody, we will, <laughs> we will talk to you all next time. God bless. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining Andrea Schwartz and the Kingdom Driven Family Podcast. Holding up the family and self-government as a true and lasting means of transforming society. Please visit thekingdomdrivenfamily.com and reconstructionistradio.com.